Good morning. Uh, last week, Chris challenged us to take on board the call to discipleship and to reflect on how that changes our directions and priorities. Today, I'm going to look at some aspects of the uh, journey of discipleship. Discipleship begins with a call from Jesus. For the disciples, it was literally a call. Follow me. Now, following for us is often just going along behind someone else. But if that person ends up going in a different direction from us, we no longer follow them. Or we follow someone to see what they're doing or where they're going. Like you might follow your cat down the backyard to find out where it's getting its nasties from. Many people follow Jesus for a while out of convenience or curiosity. But for the disciples, following Jesus meant a lot more. Following meant learning from him and doing what he did. Now I've got a small example from my own limited life experience of what this kind of, of how this kind of following works. How does that look? Looks okay. Um, eek. Sorry, turned over the page too soon. Every now and again, along with another guy called Murray, I go for a paddle down the Whanganui River. Usually other people come along with us. Now, while the rapids on the Whanganui are mostly fairly placid, we do suggest to first-timers that they should follow us through the rapids so that they can see the best angle or speed to approach the rapid at. Murray and I go first. The first-timers follow. In time, as they become more confident and more experienced, we've got no problems if they run the rapids first. Now, occasionally they might run aground or capsize, but they learn fast. And it's a relief when, after a while, we can see that they actually know what they are doing. How is this relevant to discipleship? Well, these first-timers are learning from us and doing from us, and doing what we show them, to, although a much lesser extent, in the same way that the disciples followed Jesus. The guy in the white helmet there, that's his fifth or sixth time down the river. He's learnt. When we accept Christ as our Saviour and Lord, we are freed from the power of sin and the fate that goes with that. And we are signing ourselves over to God. When we obey God's call, we enter his kingdom. And here's three pictures of this. When we are saved by the blood of Jesus, the Bible says we are bought, purchased. We have a new owner, God. We move into God's kingdom. We are citizens of God's kingdom. We aren't tourists who can come and go on a visitor's visa. We certainly can't have dual citizenship. Thirdly, we become God's children. We are in a new family. To grow up, we need to be transformed in what we think, say and do, and in the whole direction of our lives. 
So let's look at two more aspects of the discipleship journey that Jesus, uh, sorry, that the disciples went on and that God calls us in our way to follow too. The first aspect is learning. Jesus spent a lot of his time teaching the disciples. But it wasn't like modern teaching. You know, you look at a course syllabus and you can see what you're going to be covering, all the topics, and you know what the expected outcomes are, you know what the measures are to ensure that you've completed the course successfully. It wasn't like that. Jesus' gospel was all related to specific situations. Sometimes it happened he was teaching because people didn't understand what he was doing or saying. Or sometimes the situation just provided a teachable moment. Pretty basic. Just learn as you go. And how did the disciples get on with what Jesus taught? Well, they struggled. Lots of struggles. Just one example, in Matthew 13, verse 36, the disciple asked him what the parable of the weeds and the wheat was about. Now, their questions like that weren't hypothetical questions. Like perhaps a smart Alex student might ask a lecturer in a class to put him on the spot. No. Jesus, oh, sorry, um, the disciples were asking because they were utterly confused. Jesus said and did things that went against the whole way that they'd been brought up. The disciples spent a lot of time with Jesus and there was a lot that they failed to understand. That wasn't all. Sometimes when the disciples did understand what Jesus was saying, they didn't like it. I'll just be referring back to the passage that Chris talked on last week. In Matthew 16, Jesus in verse 15 asks his disciple who they think he is. Peter comes right back, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. An answer that Jesus tells him has come from God. Peter passed. But not for long. Because when Jesus says he is going to be killed, Peter says, no way. Peter had his mind already made up and as far as he was concerned, Jesus was definitely wrong on that point. But Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. See the contrast? In verse 17, Jesus tells Peter he is speaking God's truth. Six verses later, he says he is speaking from Satan. Peter knew the truth, but it hadn't really sunk in. Well, how do we get on with learning from Jesus? How well do we learn? Well, let's be a little bit practical here. We learn best when we read the Bible with an open heart and mind. Not racing through it so we can move on to something more interesting. Not thinking, oh yeah, I've read this before. I can stop now. God speaks freshly. Sometimes we'll have an insight. Sometimes... Verses will bring a fresh idea to mind, a completely new idea. This is because the Bible is God's word. It is dynamic. It's active. It's working all the time. And God speaks through his word. Watch out for what God might be showing you. We also hear God's word by listening to others. Maybe even from sermons, dare I say. 
It's quite possible that he'll take from a message something that the preacher has no idea they are communicating, but God uses it to touch your heart. In small groups and conversations, listen to others. We all have different perspectives, and we see things in different ways. The person talking might bring up something you have never realised before. If we don't understand something, let's ask. Looking ignorant isn't such a big deal. Some people will be so relieved that it was, wasn't they who asked that they'll be grateful to you. And the right answer might stay with you a lot longer and a lot more deeply because you asked the question, no matter how embarrassing it was at the time. God's wisdom is endless. We will never know it all. However long we've walked with the Lord, there's still more he can teach us. We also get it wrong. We don't learn properly sometimes. God is infinite in every way, beyond what the mind, human mind can grasp. And even what we do know, we sometimes disagree about. We can't all be right, can we? That's one reason why there are so many brands of Christianity. Which one is right? Or are they all wrong in different ways? I've changed my mind about different issues over the years. And it's not just theology and theory, doctrine, that we misunderstand. For example, in the early church, lots of Christians thought that slavery was okay, providing you were kind to your slaves. Try that now. Discipleship involves non-stop learning. Oops. Why do I have this? Jesus gave his disciples assignments. They put into action what they learned. When Jesus sent the 12 and the 70 ahead of him, their mission trips weren't practice and training drills. The disciples were healing the sick and casting out demons. They saw results, and they were extremely excited when they got back to Jesus. He certainly was excited with what they experienced. So was it all plain sailing for the disciples? No. For example, one story. When Jesus was up the mountain with uh, Peter, James and John, a passage in Matthew 17 is one place where it's told, when he was transfigured, the other nine disciples were left to mind the shop, so to speak. No matter that Jesus wasn't there, the crowd still came. For those nine disciples, it was business as usual. However, when Jesus came back, there was a complaint. The disciples couldn't drive a demon out of a boy. I'm sure the disciples had done their best but without success. So Jesus drove the demon out. The disciples felt very confused and embarrassed. Jesus, they ask, why couldn't we do that? Well, the answer was that prayer was needed to drive out that demon. Had they perhaps forgotten to pray? They still got things wrong and missed things. And leaving aside ministry, the disciples struggled in their relationships with each other and in serving Jesus. 
It seems they competed among, each, among themselves to be the favourite of Jesus. In Matthew 18, they asked Jesus, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? In other words, what do we have to do in order to win big with God? What was Jesus' answer? Be like a child. They obviously didn't take that on board because in Matthew 20, two chapters later, we find James and John, the sons of Zebedee, asking Jesus to give her boys the top spots in the kingdom of heaven. The other disciples were very grumpy when they found out about that. And our friend Peter seems to have been a non-stop accident waiting to happen. Earlier, as I mentioned in Matthew 16, Jesus told Peter off. Peter heard what Jesus said and he remembered it. But it still didn't sink in. He didn't get it. How do we know that? Well, in John chapter 18, the Bible identifies Peter as the, as the disciple who chopped the ear off the high priest's servant. If Peter had really accepted that Jesus had to die, I don't think Peter would have been swinging a sword at someone's head. Did Peter perhaps imagine that he was in some sort of first century shootout, the Messiah's last stand? Probably that had something to do with why later that morning Peter decided to keep a low profile and ended up denying Jesus three times. But God is gracious and merciful and Peter went on to be one of the greatest people in the early church. As disciples, we have to apply what we learn. Discipleship is seldom dramatic. Being a disciple doesn't oblige us to go on mission trips to the Amazon or to do 40-day fasts. Discipleship isn't the highlights reel or the greatest hits compilation of our Christian experience. Discipleship is a whole-of-life experience. There are basics. God calls us to be holy. Jesus tells us to love one another, to love other people, to forgive, to say yes when people ask us for help, to turn the other cheek, to go the extra kilometre, to tell others the good news. And what about making an effort to get to know non-Christians, people who perhaps live quite differently from us? And let's support the work of God overseas, maybe in missions, or in churches and countries where it's costly to be, to be a Christian. Who knows what God might ask of us? All that is part of discipleship. When we make mistakes, when we sin, acknowledge it. Let's confess it to God. Often we'll need to apologise and put things right with another person. We can't undo the past, but remember Romans... 8 verse 28, he says reaching for his Bible, and the bookmark falls out. No, it didn't, not that one. Um, just reading it. And we know that in all things God works for the good for those, of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. 
God works in amazing ways through the mistakes that we make. And sometimes looking back we can see it. For example, two pastors in shared ministry might go their separate ways after a dispute, like Paul and Barnabas did. But in God's grace, that can end up expanding their ministries far more than if they'd remained together. It's amazing. As individuals too, we can learn a lot from our mistakes. Sometimes it's a sort of experience that you'd much rather have gone to a seminar about it or to have read a pamphlet or book to sort that particular issue out, not do it the hard way. And when we do get things right, sometimes we don't notice it. Temptation that we endure and withstand is like dust that is blown away. Even though when it's at its most powerful, it can feel overwhelming. We don't look work, sorry, we don't walk the journey of discipleship alone. In Matthew eleven Verse 28, and this is the one that fell out, um, on page 1019. Uh, it's, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The idea of a yoke is a picture of what happens when we follow Jesus, when we do what he wants. As a yoke helped oxen to plough the land easily, so following Jesus helps us to keep walking in God's way rather than exploring paths that lead nowhere. God is with us through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit we can live, as God calls us to live. Our most important task is our witness. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus told his disciples that they would be his witnesses, locally and globally. In Matthew 28, verse 20, Jesus told his disciples to make disciples of all nations. In other words, to lead people to faith in Jesus as Saviour and Lord, thereby making them his disciples. In the passage in Acts that Haley read, Peter and John had been hauled up before the Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, for preaching that Jesus had been raised from the dead. The day before, in chapter 3, Acts chapter 3, that healed a beggar who had been lame from birth. Complete healing. No physiotherapy course required. In the excitement that followed, Peter preached and many came to faith. Then the authorities arrived. As far as the Jewish leaders were concerned, Peter and John were sore losers and rabble-rousers. They'd lost their rabbi and they were stirring up trouble by contradicting the official narrative about Jesus. They felt nothing but scorn for Peter and John. That is until Peter and John opened their mouths. That was when the Jewish leaders took note 
that these men had been with Jesus. In other words, they had seen this boldness before, this uncompromising presentation of the Lordship of Jesus. Like master, like disciple. Jesus had called Peter and John to follow him. Now they were proclaiming the gospel to the Sanhedrin. Times change, challenges change. Few of us have the gifts of miracle working and evangelism that the early apostles had. But every Christian here has a story to tell. The story of our journey with Jesus. As was mentioned, in the coming term, Becky will be leading a course on faithful conversations about sharing our faith, about being witnesses, telling what God means to us and what he's doing in our lives. Sharing our faith is part of our discipleship journey and this church is standing with you to support you. Most importantly, God is on our side. All disciples, sorry, all Christians are disciples and must work the, walk the journey of discipleship. But God doesn't leave us on our own. The Holy Spirit is with us as our guide. And I'm sure that every Christian here can tell of tricky t situations when we're sure that God came to the party and things turned out far better than we could ever have imagined. But neither can we leave it up to God. We need to do what he asks of us, whether it's to do something or to speak. Remember, when Jesus fed the 5,000 and the 4,000, he got the disciples to arrange the bread and the fish. Let's pray. Dear God, your word is a lamp unto our paths, is a lamp and light unto our paths. And a lamp. Sorry, I've lost that one. You know the verse. And a lamp unto our feet, light unto our paths. Father, we ask that you would go ahead of us and that we would follow, follow in the light, walking clearly in the path that you show us. Thank you, Lord.